We are live and on the air. Well, we're not really on the air, though, are we? No, we're not actually just on the air. Just our own air, which is two, li- just two listeners. We're more on the hot air. Yeah. Well, my wife appears to have now got her gin. Okay, good. We went to a gin festival last weekend in Birmingham. Right. A bunch of us got a train down from North Wales. Yeah. And... Well, the ladies started drinking at about nine o'clock in the morning because they actually started doing that thing, which I know you've done in the past, which is to drink on a train. I do like to do that, yeah. Um, but no, they they broke out the... What's that sparkling white stuff? I was going to say proschiotto, but that's a ham. Uh, prosecco? Prosecco. Yes. Because exactly, I don't drink wine, so I don't yeah. understand the mysteries of the vine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, so we went to this gin festival and... If you get a chance to go and you like gin, it's a bloody good thing to do because you pay, I think it was about seven quid to get in. Yeah. Which I couldn't understand why they were charging you to get in. But anyway, then you had to buy vouchers. So basically enough to buy four drinks cost 20 quid, which is not bad. It's like five quid a gin and tonic, which was not bad. And they'd set out these various bars and they must have had probably 300 different gins. Wow. And you could have a little sample or you could actually go and get a proper you know, proper drink. And the ho- it was all afternoon. It was like, I think our slot was 12.30 till 5.30. So you had basically five hours in Birmingham drinking gin. Yeah, as much as you can get in, I guess. Well, as much as you want to pay for. And oh, yeah. The, the nice thing was, was that then you could, if you found a gin that you really like, like I found this, it's called Blackwood's 60%. Okay. Are you hoping they're going to send you some for mentioning that? Do you know, a product placement. I could easily do that. (laughs) And it's, I was a bit put off by the 60% because it's, you know. Oh, that is quite strong, yeah. It's really strong, but it tastes really, really nice. And the favourite of the day was actually a rhubarb and ginger gin. I'm really into that. It sounds a bit poncy though. Yeah. I mean, I've never had it. I'm really into the sound of it, is what I'm saying. It sounds good. Actually, it did taste very good. Yeah. And uh, our friend Big Mark who came with us, who is a, I think he's six foot eight. I thought he was going to be big. He is, yeah. Well, you see, with a name like Big Mark, he's either going to be big or he's going to be, he's going to be small. It's one or the other, yeah. He's going to be, you know, a little kind of, I don't know, I was going to say pipsqueak, five foot one, but (laughs) I don't know how tall you are. You might be. Uh, Just really average height, actually. Average male height. Hmm. Okay. Well, I didn't want want to offend anybody. Of course, this is not a show about offending people. No. I'll try not to say anything. <laughs> but anyway, so Big Mark was standing there, resplendent in his musculature, with these sort of girly drinks. Yeah. But it was really nice. It was a good thing to do. Gin festival, if you get a chance to go. <laughs> anyway, my wife is now, the door has stopped creaking because she's got her gin. Okay, so she doesn't need to touch the door anymore. She's no. uh, secured with the gin. No. I'm wondering which gin she's got because there are several gins that we've discovered over the last few months that are really, really nice. There's a an every good everyday gin. There's one called Kowroon, which is a Scottish gin. Right. Like that a lot. Um, there's an Adnams. You know the cider people. Adnams. I thought Adnams was a um, a brewery in Ah Dorset yes. or Cornwall or something. No, I think it's Suffolk. Suffolk. Yeah, that's it. Suffolk. And they make a gin. Right. And it's a really good one. That's good. So you're sort of a gin expert now. Well, you know, for somebody that doesn't drink an awful lot, I do know a reasonable amount about gin. Yeah. It's very fashionable. Yes. (laughs) 
This year it's gin. Last year it was vodka, I think. Yeah. I don't know. What do they drink where you live in, you know, in the trendy south? Uh, craft beers. See, not a big beer drinker. Hmm. Yeah, it's craft beers and um, and burgers and pulled pork, that sort of thing, I think. Oh, please don't get me started on burgers. People have actually do- stopped listening to this podcast because I have ranted about burgers for about the last year. What, that you're bored of them? No, no, no. Brioche buns. I can just people. I can hear people tuning off now. You can't get a fucking burger unless it's in a brioche bun. What happened to sesame seed? Hmm. Everywhere you go, it's a bloody burger in a brioche bun. It's like an artisan burger. I don't want that. Yeah, you want your sort of uh, Billy Bunter eighties um, kind of style. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I, when I go out to eat something. I want it on a plate. I, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't want my dinner in a house brick or in a flat cap. Yes. <laughs> Just stay away from London. You'll be fine, I think. Oh, God. I've been going to London more and more recently because we've been doing some jobs down there. And it yeah. has been interesting. We'll talk about adventures in London and maybe gentrification and stuff a bit later on. But, yeah, I have been going down more and more and spending time around Camberwell and Brixton, which has been brilliant, actually. Yeah. So I just want to say before we get cracking that I'm really grateful to you to introducing me to Wilfred Wood's work. Yes. When did you see that? Was it a tweet I did this week or something? Uh, it was either, I think it was middle of last week. You linked to um, the sculptures of Wilfred Wood, Portraits of Hackney Wick. I'll put a link in our show notes. Yeah, a little video. He's There's a, a video of him on, on yeah. Vimeo. And I was absolutely captivated by that and you know for anybody like me last week who hasn't heard of him he's a sculptor in fact will you explain who wilfred is because you i think you know wilfred don't you well yeah i met him uh just by pure chance we we were doing a talk together as in not on stage together but just at the same thing and i was totally fascinated by him i've actually followed his work for years um he actually used to work on spitting image I saw that. Uh, which is really exciting. So just to meet someone that used to work on Spitting Image is kind of uh, a big thing already. Um, and now, he, yeah, so he just does his own thing and he just he just makes sculptures, uh, mainly portraits of people and uh, a lot of sort of uh, funny male figures and, uh, and heads and stuff. Um, and so we just immediately got on really well, went for drinks after the talk and sort of became friends from that point. He is brilliant. I hadn't realised... Um, until I was, you know, dicking around his website that he'd worked on Spitting Image. And at that yeah. point, that was just like, that was the icing on the cake for yeah. me, that was. He's a special man. And, you know, you know, sometimes when you really love someone's work and you've followed them for years and then you meet them and it can be a disappointment, the kind of that cliche thing of don't meet your heroes. He was actually, I was actually found him a really excellent person as well. No, it was fantastic. Nice. I used to love Spitting Image. Yeah, great, wasn't it? But I was having a flick around his website and the figures that he did, I mean, in the video, and again, I'll put a link in the show notes, but it was all about his portraits of people that are around his studio in Hackney Wick. Yeah. But I'm sure that there's a fat David Cameron in there. There is a fat David Cameron, yeah. There's, I think there's a fat David Cameron. Did you see this kind of uh, skinnier naked man next to him? Uh, that That's Wilfred. Yes, I recognised him. Yeah, yeah, he's done his own uh, his own nude body, and also if you look really closely, you might see you might see me in there as well at some point. A uh, a little bingo head, which he did. 
not a figure. No, but he's he's done my head, and I'm not allowed to show it to anyone because he wants to kind of. He's doing. He's going to do a show later in the year, hopefully, or at some point, of just uh, works. He's done uncommissioned works that he's just done that he wanted to of people that he knows who he thinks are interesting. So I was obviously very flattered as soon as he asked me if he could do my head. I said yes, please. Um, so yeah, that exists and it's out there, and I'm looking forward to seeing it in a show at some point and buying it off him. That is unbelievable that's a little bit like is it phil collins that bought his own spitting image puppet oh i don't know that sounds good yeah i think he did i think a few people did yeah i mean it's silly not to i think no i used to love spitting image i'm just trying to think back now to i mean everybody can remember some of those kind of classic um oh god i even forget their names now the one that sticks in my mind is roy hattersley who is the spitting the spitting politician. one yeah um, and there was uh, David Steele, obviously, who was always in, um, was he in Neil Kinnock's pocket? I can't remember. No. That sounds no, he good. Was in, yeah. he, was, he was in, um, oh, I can't remember now, but it was a, it was a political gag. Yeah. It was very, very, very funny. See, when I saw it, was it in the 80s, are we talking? Yeah, pretty much. I was quite a young child and didn't know anything about politics, still don't really. And so I just enjoyed it for the, the pure comic value uh just, just thought it was funny didn't really understand exactly what was going on bit like me and minions <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> no it's brilliant i was looking at <laughs> wilfred's the, the little figures that he does um they're just like the best action men ever yes i would just like a whole range of of those um no brilliant except the naked justin bieber which is just no you're fine for that one yeah do you know what i'll give that one a miss yeah yeah. I actually saw Justin Bieber in concert accidentally. How do you say him by accident? Because we went to see Taylor Swift. Oh, I see. And <laughs> he turned up as well. No, he was... <laughs> see, there's a revelation for the listeners. No, Alex and I, big my son, who's 24 nearly. Okay. Is he 24? He might already be 24. Alex, I'm really sorry. I've forgotten how old you are. He doesn't listen to this anyway, does he? No, when he does it, he does. He's, a, <laughs> he's actually, he gets fed up on me talking about him on the podcast. Right. He, he is a podcast nerd. Okay. So he listens to a lot of tech podcasts and, okay. uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, he does happen to listen in, but yeah, he's, he, he's old at some stage. Well, we better put some tech stuff in for him, right? No, no, he, no, he gets that in other places. He just comes on to find out about what his parents are doing. Yes. Cause, you know. Is my dad still being a dick? Yeah, that, that's that's exactly it. I haven't heard from it. I think I'll find out what they're doing by listening to my dad's podcast. Perfect. No, that's actually not true because we spoke to him last night. So he he doesn't live in the same house as you. No, Alex is doing a PhD in geology. Oh, good, nice. Because um, and... I uh, I was just going to say I love finding out what my mum and dad are doing. Sometimes I don't talk to them that much. We don't we don't uh, we sort of we can go for months without talking sometimes and. Um, they live in a small village in Kent called Lye, and uh, they enter fruit and veg into this kind of uh, competition that people judge in uh, on the village green in a big marquee. And one of my friends actually went back home to the village and took a photo of my dad's winning entry to the to the vegetable competition. And it was a pair of Y-fronts with a large uh, sweet corn cob and two large red onions displayed in... Uh, well, you, you can imagine what happened. But um, I was really pleased. I just thought, oh, my parents are doing some fun stuff, even though I don't. they don't tell me about it. I am actually copying a link to that particular tweet of yours. Oh, you've seen photo. it. Good, yes. 
into the show notes right now because you know we should we should just have, i mean it's, it's no holds barred on this podcast today i don't care who the hell we upset if you want to look at you know a knob made out of sweet corn be my guest oh yeah taylor swift mm. yeah so basically alex and i decided one day that we'd go and see taylor swift in concert and there was uh justin bieber supporting before we kind of got tattooed and famous oh i and, see uh, and he was terrible he was really terrible so you saw Justin Bieber before all the believers and the, the, the hype and the chaos. Yeah. And, you know, there was a little bit of that. And we were in this, it was the Manchester Arena, MEN Arena. Yeah. And there's me and Alex and about 4,000 prepubescent girls. And they were making this noise that I swear only dogs could hear. Shit. It was, it was a screecher. And then we saw Motorhead the same week. Oh, that's good. A d- different audience, I imagine pretty similar to be okay. honest there was a lot of long hair yeah okay yeah less of the squealing pigs but 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 fewer sprinkles sparkles yeah. sparkles yeah. yeah yeah actually i'm a bit upset about motorhead because i missed them playing last year because they were uh lemmy was ill and uh we've just booked tickets to go and see them in manchester next january right and uh lemmy's ill again he's had to cancel a couple of shows oh dear so i am hoping that lemmy is going to make it you know, we're not we make it in the wider sense all the way through to Manchester next year. Fingers crossed for you and him. Fingers crossed. Anyway, going back to this video. Uh, yeah. Wilfred's video. I noticed that there was a post-it note that I think he's got in his studio stuck on the wall. And it, there's a Jeff Koons quote. Yeah, I saw On this that. post-it note. I hate craft. Craft is fetishism. Right. I love that. Yeah. And it just goes against what i think most people are trying to do when it comes to making digital work they want to make it into a craft yeah if you look at every bleeding web studio right now they're all making handcrafted digital experiences it drives me nuts it's like websites aren't cool enough now they have to make a digital experience and handcraft it yeah drives me nuts it's like pretentious i don't really understand what um, a handcrafted website would look like no Perhaps it would look like it would be been crocheted. Yeah. Perhaps a bit of marquetry. Yeah. Not so sort of roboty. That would work. <laughs> clay website that you can touch. Don't know whether you could do clay. Yeah. I think it would still have to be sort of two dimensional. Yeah. But maybe with a little bit of texture. Perhaps it'd be like a woodcut. Yeah, woodcut website. That would work. Well, I want to talk about art and studios and maybe London and a few other things in the hour that we said we talk. Yeah. But first, I really ought to, I suppose I should formally introduce you to our listeners. Yeah. You ready? Yeah, go. Because this is the serious bit now. This is the bit you'd hear if this podcast was as good as something on the BBC. Right. That's an in-joke. Yeah, okay. Here we go. (laughs) A very warm welcome back to Unfinished Business. I'm your host, Andy Clark, and this week I'm joined by a very special guest, He's possibly best known for his hate mail series of abusive postcards. He's illustrator and rapper, Mr. Bingo. Hi, Andrew. How was that? I really liked that. It was good, yeah. See, I tried to make at least one part of the show sound professional. Yeah, it did. It sounded good, actually. Because the rest of it can just be about travel mugs like it was a few episodes ago. Yeah. I do that occasionally. I'll go off on a rant about... Something or other. <laughs> I've noticed already, actually. Hmm. Well, speaking of travel mugs, before we get into the podcast proper, 
I do just want to spend a minute, if we can, talking about something that I like and something that I hope the listeners will like as well. And that's Jolie Originals leather iPhone and iPad and Mac sleeves. And they're not paying me to sponsor. It's just that I like these things. And every week now I talk about something that I like, something that people make, which is kind of the theme of our show. Yeah. And, uh, and this week it's about them. Uh, uh, what, what do they do? Well, they make, here they go, they make leather iPhone and iPad and Mac sleeves. And they hand make them in their studio in Amsterdam. Right. So they're just a little company. And I'll tell you all about them. Because what happened was, last year, I spoke at a conference called Beyond Talleyrand in know Germany, it. in I Berlin. Know yeah. And Mark, who's the organiser, he's such a lovely guy. He is a lovely guy. He gave all of the speakers a really beautiful leather laptop sleeve by this company called Jolie Originals. And I hadn't heard of them up until this point. Yeah. And actually, while I talk about this, people should look up their website. It's uh, Jolie, J-O-L-I-O, originals.com. And if you put on the slash unfinished BZ, that's, then they'll know how many people got sent by this podcast. But they're not paying me to say any of this. And I already had a laptop sleeve, and it was one that I'd had for a while. It was uh, by Hardgraft, and I really liked it. But I just loved the feel of this Jolie Originals sleeve. It was just really smooth leather, and I just put my laptop in it, and it thought, right, this is it. And the leather's really soft, and the felt inside it keeps the MacBook nice and snug. And it's, it's a lovely thing. And I got the brown leather one, thanks to Mark. But they make grey ones, and they make sometimes other colours in limited numbers as well. And in the year that I've had it, all of the little creases and scuffs, you know, the pattern are on the leather. That's made it look even better. And I haven't treated the leather with anything. I haven't buffed it up. But I suppose you could feed it if you wanted to. And I just really love this sleeve and... the. I bought an iPhone sleeve while I was there to go with it. And Jolie and Harold, they just, they live in Amsterdam and, you know, they're not a big company. They're just two people that sit and make this nice product and then they sell it themselves. And they make MacBook sleeves and iPad sleeves and iPhone sleeves and even a nice little wallet thing for notes and credit cards. And they make other nice things. And I just like their products a lot and I like them. And I think that people should support little companies making really nice things for themselves. So if you want to support the show and maybe support Jolie Originals, you can go to that URL, which was jolieoriginals.com slash unfinishedbz. And then they'll know that I mentioned them on the podcast. That and, is lovely. And then you control them as well. You know, because, you know, we get a few thousand people listening to this every week. And, you know, I just think if I can take some traffic and, and point them in the direction of something that's really nice, then great. Or you can just troll them like I do. <laughs> Speaking of trolling, yeah, you you actually get paid to troll people. Uh, I do sometimes. It is a little part of my career that I've managed to build build in recently. Yes, that's true. I mean, I suppose that people will know of you from all kinds of things, but hate mail has been well. It must have taken over your life recently. Yeah, I think hate mail is the main reason that most people that have heard of me have heard of me, if that makes sense. Because before I did that, I was a commercial illustrator for about 12 years and sort of still am. But um, the hate mail thing really put me into a different kind of place with a bigger audience. Well, I saw you speak at the Webis conference in Cardiff last year. Yeah. And 
there was a lot more to what you've done than just hate mail. Yeah. So what is it about hate mail that you think <laughs> resonates with people? Are you just are you saying the things that everybody wishes they could say but don't think they really can? Um, I mean, I get asked a lot why people like it, and um, I don't really know what the answer is, to be honest. I don't know why people like it so much. I think you should ask a psych- psychiatrist or a, a psychologist, but... Um, yeah, it's nice. It's a nice thing to be able to do. And I do get to, uh, I am, and it's a very lucky position to be in that I get to say those things that everyone, I think everyone does think, but, but just realizes they can't really say stuff like that in real life. <laughs> well, maybe you can. <laughs> maybe we should talk about that in a minute. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think being trolled is like the very definition of modern art. Yeah. Sometimes. It's actually harder than I thought, the trolling one. Um, so just, just to give it some context, I did a Kickstarter and one of the rewards was that I troll you for a week um, on all forms of social media. So Instagram, Twitter, whatever else you, you have an account with. Um, and uh, it's quite a lot of hard work, actually, to troll someone because you think about it all the time. You know, I've got I've got three people I'm trolling at the moment and whatever I'm doing, they're on my mind. You know, I need I need to troll them for seven whole days. And you're following them and... I actually don't follow them because, you know, that's also part of the trolling. It, it's an extra fuck you that I'm not, not even following them, you know. So, well, let's, let's skip right to the Kickstarter thing. Let's, yeah. let's talk about that because, well, first of all, let's, let's wind back a little bit for anybody that hasn't seen you speak and isn't really quite sure what the whole hate mail thing is about. So, explain it. Okay, so... Late one evening in 2011, I was sitting in my studio. I'd had a couple of drinks. Um, I collect vintage postcards. I was looking at a huge pile of them. And I thought, why do I never send postcards to people? Um, I'd like to send a postcard to someone. I want to do it now. Uh, so I went onto Twitter uh, as I was you know, in the studio on my own. I was lonely. And um, I said, I will send, I tweeted, I will send an offensive postcard to the first person who replies to this tweet and lots and lots of people replied very quickly. Uh, the winner was a guy called Jonathan Hopkins, who was the first to reply, and I sent him a postcard saying, Dear Jonathan, fuck you and fuck your shit legs, uh, with a drawing of some sort of fat legs, um, severed at the top, just above <laughs> the knee. Uh, and I photographed it being posted into a post box because I thought it was funny, put that on the internet, and the internet liked it, and I got started getting requests from all over the world for hate mail, people saying, please, can you send us some hate mail? Uh, and then a few days later, that's when I decided to open a service called Hate Mail and started charging uh, strangers to receive offensive postcards written by myself. That's I love it. it. I love it. I'm looking at one here to Chris Leeming. Dear Chris, you'll never be as good as Peter Andre. Yeah. Oh, is is this Chris Leeming's actual address? How do you in the books? How do you actually work the address? Does he really live at fifteen Moorfield Road? Yeah. Well, basically, any hate mail that you found online or in a book or wherever it's published, um, those people have been contacted already and asked if they're happy to have their real address printed or not. So uh, it's all kind of legal. We do it all properly. Um, I don't know why I said we. Then it's just me. I don't have any helpers. Um, and so, yes, if he's agreed to have his address printed, that is his actual address. Dear Gavin, if you were a supermarket, you'd be little. Little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I like this one. This one's got chimpanzees on the front who look like they're drinking tea, but they're not PG tips. No. Because half of it is what you draw on the back and you're cutting, cutting comments. Um, and then the other half is what's on the front. Yeah. Which I really like. There's a postcard of a, of a really quite sad looking donkey from the 1970s here at Western Supermare. Yeah. I know that one. Isn't that where Banksy's Dismal Land is now? Yes. I want to go to that. I, I've heard really, really good things about it. Yeah, I haven't been, and I don't think I'm going to get a chance to go either because I think all the tickets are sold out now. They were like three quid. So it was quite funny, actually. I was reading some stuff. When they first put the tickets on sale, the website just couldn't handle it. Yeah. And there were various people saying on Twitter, as usual, um, isn't you know, isn't it terrible because, you know, everybody wants to go. And, you know, they were complaining about the, the crapness of the website. And then somebody pointed out that maybe the crapness of the website is actually part of the troll. I think so, yeah. Maybe that's part of the art, the fact that the website just crashes. It's part of this dismal experience. I reckon it could be, yeah. Because the guy is just a genius. Yeah. If anybody hasn't seen this, again, I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can get to it at uh, dismalland.co.uk. I, I mean, I'm not going to go, but I've seen some videos and uh, and stuff online, and it's absolutely brilliant. What I read as well, which I liked, is that he said, I think he said he got bored of his bored of his own work, or bored of showing his own work. So, so Dismal Land is it's curated by him, but it's actually I think it has fifty maybe artists involved. So he's showing lots of other people's work, which is nice. Yeah, in fact, there's also some. I think there's some Damien Hirst there as well. Yeah, and I think so. He is one of my favourite artists. Yeah. But it's just, it's just brilliant. You've got so much political and social commentary. There's some strong themes in, in the there, artwork. There are some yeah. amazing things. I mean, I love the security guards that just walk around with, uh, they've got balloons with imbecile written on them. Yes. Um, and to get in, you have to go through um, a security gate which is made of cardboard because it's obviously <laughs> the whole kind of security charade that shenanigans that we have to you know put up with at airports for no real reason oh there is some reason for that i think you think i think there might be some reasons no you see i just think it's security theater really yeah i'm scared of flying and i went on a virgin fear of flying course Ooh. And um, and it, basically hundreds of people got in a room and then we had focus groups to talk about why we're scared of flying. And it was really interesting because um, we sat down and, you know, there was like it was like in a sort of 90s office and a man stood there with a sort of, you know, one of those flip charts and a marker pen. And he said, OK, share with the group. What, what is it you're scared of about flying? And everyone said quite standard things like trapped in a box, can't get off, um, think the plane's going to crash. And then it got to me and I said, well, I agree with all of those, but also I don't trust the pilots. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, if I was a pilot and I was on a 10-hour trip, after about 40 minutes, I'd probably get a bit bored. I'd muck about. I would flick a few of the switches, start looking out the window <laughs> and forget to, you know, maybe crash by mistake. And um, he said that was they'd never had that one before, but they added it to the list. Um, but the reason I was going to tell you about that was... Because uh, I think I, I had, for some reason, I had some vintage butter knives 
in my bag. Um, obviously, I'm from East London, and um, they were confiscated as I, as I was getting onto the plane. Well, they would be, you donut. I could have buttered someone to death up there. But of course they're gonna. What, did you get them back in the end? No, did you have just, to... no. It was all just because because we went on a flight. We did a forty minute flight. It just went around in a circle and then came back. And, oh, um, that's a bugger. Lost my vintage knives. Yeah. Oh, that is a bugger. Yeah. I mean, there's been a couple of times when I've had like you know a razor or something that I've just forgotten that's in my overnight bag, and they they take that off me. But nothing that you know, nothing. Not like an heirloom. Yeah. <laughs> No, well. Banksy's Dismal Land looks bloody brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I want to go. I was reading a review of it in, <laughs> in The Guardian the other day. <laughs> it was entitled, How I Crushed My Eight-Year-Old's Innocence at Dismal Land. <laughs> Which is great because one of the pieces, the famous, I think one of the famous pieces, is that you can go into um, sort of a post-apocalyptic Disney castle. Yes. And as you go through it, there's there's a video loop um of the end of Cinderella and it's the bit where the prince and Cinderella go off and live happily ever after. Yeah. And then you walk through and then the punchline is that there's this giant pumpkin coach and it's crashed. Yeah. And there's the legs of the dead princess sticking out and every, it's all surrounded by paparazzi taking photographs. Yes, it's just flashing away, isn't it? I've seen that. It's amazing. There's just so many good things. He's going to have to go quite a long way to top this. Yeah. So anyway, back to hate mail. Yeah. You've been sending out how many of these things now? Uh, I can tell you exactly, actually. 929. Have you got a spreadsheet? Uh, not a spreadsheet, but just I have the fronts and the backs of each one scanned and they're in folders on my computer and then they're numbered 1 to 929. So... Yeah. There's a lot of kittens. Sorry? There's a lot of kittens. Uh, yes, it is. It's a lot. Yes. I don't like kittens. Don't you? No. What about cats? Actually, I prefer kittens to cats. Okay. But I'm not really a cat person. I could see you with a dog. Do you have a dog? No, we had a dog once. It was mad. And okay. we had to give him away, poor Donald right. dog. He, he was a chocolate Labrador and he, and he basically ruled the roost. Oh, Okay. Now, I like gorillas, but we don't have one of those either. Hard to look after. Well, you say that, but I don't think anybody really knows unless well, unless you keep gorillas. Yeah, I reckon you need quite a lot of space. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a nice sort of little documentary somebody sent me a link to the other day about Coco the gorilla. Yeah. Who is... Uh, she it's lives... not that human one, is it? No, she lives in... <laughs> Close, though. She lives in America somewhere, and she's part of this project where she understands spoken English and can sign a thousand signs. Shit. So she basically communicates with the people that she lives with, and it's amazing. So do they ask her secrets about gorillas? I don't know about the secrets. She tells them what she thinks about all kinds of stuff. She was friends with Robin Williams... Oh, nice. And she was very, very upset when Robbie Williams... Well, Robbie Williams. Well, who wouldn't be upset if Robbie Williams had died? Yeah, I mean, all animals were. I mean, there's just... No, I mean, what would happen? The animal kingdom would just be moribund if... I'm coming up with quite a lot of big words today. Yeah, I've never heard that. That's quite a big word. I'm trusting you that that's a word. Do you know, I don't actually think that I've ever said that word before. Yeah. Anyway, Robbie Williams. No, Robin Williams. She was she was friendly with Robin Williams, and she got very upset when he died. Yes, yes. 
So you did this Kickstarter. Yeah, to I did. Make a book. Yeah. Because I'm I'm sitting here in my hand. I have a pen. <laughs> I'm sitting in my own hand. I am. It's <laughs> you must be really small with a huge hand. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So I'm sitting here holding the hate mail book that came out what a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago. Yeah, like a few years, three years, I think. Three or yeah. Which is a penguin book. Yes. And now, now you want to charge people to make another one? Yeah. What's wrong with the one that I've got? So the first book is made out of the first 250 hate mails. Right. Obviously, since then, I've done another 700 or so. So it's kind of like, you know, it's like if you're a musician and that's your first album, then you've got a second album that you just want to put out. And it's it's similar to the first book, but better, I think. And the content is better, but also the actual product is going to be a lot better because... If you do a book with Penguin, uh, with all due respect to them, you have to follow a lot of rules and laws, and it's not really your own book, however much they think that it's your book, you're the author. They make a lot of decisions about design, how much it's going to cost to make, what the cover should look like, how the cover's going to work to sell in fucking supermarkets, and things like a celebrity <laughs> quote on the front and stuff like that. <laughs> I so, can really see this on Sailing Waitrose. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, obviously their 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 job is to shift as many units as possible. I guess uh, I wanted the book to look like a beautiful sort of. I guess they what they I think they wanted the book to be a comedy book, and I wanted it to be they wanted it to be a kind of cheap stocking filler comedy book, which is fine and it works as that. But I wanted it to be more of an art book, which is almost like a, an extra sort of funny joke for me on top of it. You know, so the one that we're making now self-published which is much nicer because you get to control everything and it's going to be cloth bound it's going to be beautifully made it's going to be made with really expensive papers really expensive printer and it's just going to be yeah a lovely like gallery art book so it's going to be a totally different kind of thing even though it will the content's the same does that make sense no it does make sense i can see the one that i've got here the penguin book the sort of thing that you just might pick up in waterstones yeah um, on a bit of a whim yeah um, I remember when Alex was a nipper, we used to buy him things like the world's funniest signs. Yeah. And that kind of thing. But this is much, much more than that. Hopefully. So you are, you, you did a Kickstarter like everybody. To, yeah. To, to get this thing going. And actually you did really, <laughs> you did really well. I was talking to Richard Rutter, who's, uh, on the, sh on the show last week and he's had a successful Kickstarter for his typography book. Yeah. Um, which is, again, it's going to be fantastic. Um, but, you just blew, I think, through past all expectations. Yeah, I was shocked, actually, because um, I didn't really have any expectations other than that I really wanted it to get funded and I hoped that it would get funded within the 28 days it was up. I thought it would be a lot of work and a lot of pushing and then I was expecting it to get funded maybe in the last week or something. Um, and then it did it in nine hours and it was crazy, you know. So you've kind of... 3,732 backers. Yeah, all those people to, to now look after. So when is that? When do you think you might be delivering it? Because I ordered one. Okay, so the book's being finished at the moment and designed and put together. And then um, it should be printed and ready to, to start sending out at some point in October. Oh, not say, long. I'd say late October, early November. Yeah, you can expect to have an actual copy in your hands. It doesn't take that long to make a book, you know. 
when I did the book with Penguin, we sent everything off. And then a year and a half later, we got a book back with self-publishing. Uh, you know, you could do it in a month. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm, you know, I've worked with publishers. I was about to say, I am working. <sighs> Mustn't say anything right now. Ooh. When you can control you know, the artwork and you're in touch with the printer and the, yeah. you can sit there with the guy that's actually making the page layouts. Yes. As I did with my last one. Yeah. Um, you can just rattle through it. You get stuff done so quickly. Definitely. And we're having it printed in Italy. So we're going to fly. When I say we, it's uh, me and my friend, Darren Wall, who's an uh, excellent book designer, has worked in publishing for his entire working life. And so he's designing the book for me. Um, so we're working on it together and then we're actually going to fly over to Italy and check it on press. So uh, it's really hands-on and really nice. So we get, to, you know, it's not like just China firing this thing back at you and you hoping it's going to turn out well. It's actually, we're actually going to be over there checking it on press, which is amazing. Oh no, that's going to be fantastic. Yes. Take video. Yeah. Because it's, you know, there's such a thing around the experience of having, you know, your own book done. Yeah, definitely. It's also just, it's also nice to just kind of get any extra content to give, give back, but you know, to give to the people that have backed your Kickstarter to actually say, Hey, look, you know, all that stuff we promised, here we are actually doing it. Mm. And it is as good as we said it's going to be, you know. Now you see, whenever, whenever I've done things in the past, I haven't really thought that thing through and it's become sort of, um, clearer to me more recently that you know you put stuff like together it's not just the experience of actually you know opening the book in this particular case but it's it's everything that's around it you know and it's getting the emails and you're feeling like you're included and you know there's that kind of 90 seconds worth of video perhaps where you see something coming off the press yeah brilliant people love that kind of stuff yeah so this has gone down really really well i what i really liked about your kickstarter was the incentives yeah, I think for me, that was a really big part of it. I knew I'd seen a lot of bad Kickstarters and um, I knew that for me, the two most important things I wanted to get right were the video and the rewards. And um, I think I started writing the rewards three or four months before the Kickstarter actually went live. That was the first thing I got really excited about before I'd even started working out how I was going to make a rap video. Um, <laughs> I started sitting down and just because what's so lovely about doing stuff online is, you know, you 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 open your Kickstarter page whenever you want. Don't you know? Before it goes live, you're just filling all the little bits in all the time, and you know, changing stuff around. So, I'd be sitting in the studio late at night, just writing things like "Mr. Bingo does the washing up, hundred and fifty pounds," and some someone in the studio would be like, "Yeah, that's good, yeah." And then that would go in, and now I'm now I'm doing it all. It's crazy. I love this. A thousand and thirty backers bought the fucking book. Yeah. For 15 quid. Actually, 15 quid is too cheap. It's pretty good value. It is good value for what you get. It's going to be really good value. 18 pound or more got you to be, get told to fuck off on the internet. Yeah, I haven't done that yet. I need to do that soon. I was thinking of trying to do them all in one day, but I think it's going to be too much. Mr. Bingo will draw a personalized abusive message and tweet it to you. See, there's a lot of time spent in just drawing the abusive personalized message. Yeah, yeah. Please note, you must have a Twitter account to receive your insult. If you're not on Twitter, you can fuck off. <laughs> yeah. It's very clear. Um, includes a copy of the book. Um, £25 got you a book with a fucking signature in it, which is, I think, what I've got. Good, good, good. And you get a little doodle as well. 
That's going to take a while. Yeah, it is going to take a while. That's 1,775 signatures. Yeah, and drawings. But you know, that's fine. I'd rather sit for a month and do that than sit for a month and get paid by a big silly company to do something I don't enjoy. Yeah, perfect. 50 pound troll package. This is the one I like. Well, one of the ones I like, as well as a signed and doodled in copy of the book, Mr. Bingo will troll you on all forms of social media for one yeah. week in an attempt to ruin your life. So what have you been doing to people then? Well, I mean, I could troll someone on here right now. Fuck you, Kenneth Johnston from London. Um, that's Kenneth, who I'm doing at the moment. Um, there's different things I'll do. I'll draw little pictures on post-it notes and in notebooks, photograph them and just send it to them. Or I'll just write something or I'll look at something they're talking about or they've done or maybe something, something they're proud of or something that's going on in their life at the moment and just cut it down. Um, yeah, bully them. So how many times are you offending Kenneth this week then? don't know uh i expect over the seven day period he'll get at least 20 or 30 bits of abuse wow because there's 20 people that you're going to troll yeah it's a lot of work it Uh, is a lot of work yeah it is a lot of work um i hadn't thought some of the the rewards through exactly how long they would take but um you know it's all it's all fun you know there are people i've seen this people in america who tell everyone to fuck off and they don't get paid for it Oh, exactly, yeah. Losers. Yeah, I know. Losers. I'm the only one getting paid to do that, I think. 60 quid gets you a signed book plus a fucking print. Yeah. Mm, yeah, Nice. Um, Or a different fucking print. That's clever. Yeah, just added that because the first one sold out. That's the beauty as well of Kickstarter. You can just change it as it's going along, add things. Um, £75 hate mail. You get a copy of the book with a personally fucking dedicated abusive message to you that's an and actual an, hate mail that's an and actual, an actual hate mail yeah there's only a hundred of those had to keep keep that quite limited yeah they're they're really up there bet they're gone do you um do these things are they gained value yet are you finding don't these think things so. i don't think eBay? so no i secretly my ego hopes that one day they will be worth more but i don't know they're like that thing i saw the banksy in new york documentary yeah have you seen that no, no, I haven't seen it. It's brilliant. He spent a month where he did a piece of a different piece of work um, each day yeah. in a different part of New York City. And, oh, did he sell them for cheap? Well, one of the things that he did was he paid some homeless dude to sit on the corner of Central Park selling Banksy's. Yeah, um, I saw that. That was so funny. And I don't know, he made like 250 quid or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And now, of course, they're worth like 40 grand each. Yeah. But there's also a really beautiful possibility that those people that bought those things don't know about it and just have the work up in their house, maybe. Yeah, it could be. I mean, because somebody bought three of them. Yeah, I think they they said, I'm getting one for myself and my two daughters or something. It definitely wasn't. They weren't aware of what they were getting. 75 quid got 20 people a dirty queen. <laughs> a one-off pornographic drawing on an envelope of Elizabeth II. Yeah, it's weird that one. I did this one because I was interested to see what you can send through the post because a lot of people, you know, you've got a cunt going through here and a fuck off and all of them managed to get delivered. Um, Royal Mail seems to be okay with it. And um, but then there's this thing about defacing the Queen, you know, it's famously you're you're not allowed to deface the Queen. And if you do, 
you get is it burnt or hung or something i can't remember what the rules are i think you die and um yeah so i was just looking at an envelope once and i stuck two queen's faces stamps i mean stuck two stamps on it and then i just continued the neckline down with a pen and drew their bodies and i just drew two naked slightly plump naked ladies uh holding each other on a skateboard with queen's faces as stamps as their heads and sent it to someone and people really liked it and so i thought i'd offer that as a kickstarter reward and that hasn't ever caused a problem with Royal Mail. <laughs> well, it seems okay. I mean, that's the only one I've done so far. I need to do all these ones. But yeah, it got through. Interesting. Really It's so great when it gets through because the person, you know, in that, in that case, he, he photographed it in his hand, in his house. You know, you have the actual proof. 75 quid, fuck Christmas. You receive a hate mail Christmas card. Interesting. The next one up's much more interesting. It is, though. Fuck Christmas Deluxe Edition. A hate mail Christmas card in the post. Um, and we'll also phone you on... Mr. Bingo will also phone you on Christmas Day and personally tell you to fuck off. Yeah. you, uh, you Five people are going to get that call. That is just genius. Yeah, it's so weird. I mean, and all those people, they've had to fill in a survey and they've had to send me their phone number... Uh, landline number mobile number and where they are in the world so i know the time zone one of them is he described himself i didn't ask them to describe themselves but he just decided to give extra information he said um i am an overweight middle-aged gay man in new york and i live alone with my cat i think um and yeah he's looking forward to me calling him up on christmas day see the ultimate troll will be if it's not their real number yeah. <laughs> I'll find him. I'll find him. He'll be calling the White House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 150 quid. Uh, this is the one that sticks in my mind. Get shit-faced on a train. And I've seen you Ooh. do this. Uh, how many of these have you done now? So, yeah, sold 20 uh, out of the 20 available. And I've done the first one. So we've done the trial run. Uh, decided to make it a slightly smaller one. Just did it with two guys. Saw and that. It was a, it was, I would say, a, a roaring success. Um, so where did you yeah. go? Kings Lynn or somewhere? Yeah, I went to Kings Lynn, which is, uh, the, you know how the country has a sort of bum, um, on the right, the, the arse. It's, it's at the top of that. I know exactly where Kings Lynn is. Right. Okay. Yeah. I went there once. It was closed. Right. Okay. The whole thing was closed. Yeah. The whole lot. <laughs> yeah. In fact, the whole of, is it Norfolk or Lincolnshire? Uh, don't know. It's one of the two. I was drunk, but, uh, you know, we only went there for nine minutes, so I didn't, didn't really get to experience the town too much. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 150 quid. Mr. Bingo does the washing up. Mr. Bingo will come to your house and do the washing up in London only. Well, of course. Yeah. One person actually abroad bought that, I think. Oh. Um, so it's kind of void, but yeah, um, all the others, that reward has to be delivered. Um, that's going to be weird because I'll be going into strangers' houses and touching their stuff. You see, what I really want you to do is to almost have almost have a documentary film crew. You know the people that filmed Wilfred's video from we yeah. were talking about early on. I would just want a forty-minute documentary, or maybe even longer, but you know, let's say forty minutes about you delivering all of these incentives because there's a telly program right <laughs> fucking there 
I like it, but I don't think it's interesting enough. I'm not sure if enough people would be interested in seeing that. I it's wonder not if, for you. No, but I wonder if <laughs> I wonder if you'd be more interested in seeing that because you know me and ah, oh, it's Bingo doing this thing. But I don't know if it's interesting enough for strangers to actually want to see that. Really, well, you think with all the shit that's on telly. Oh, I know it's the- better than a lot of the shit on there, but yeah. I mean, you know, I saw some stuff. Oh, God, it makes Ice Road Truckers look like... That sounds good. Actually, Ice Road Truckers is not bad. Yeah, I quite like those kind of programs about men. You know, like real men who don't do stuff on computers, who go out into the real world in big uniforms and fixed trucks and stuff. Mm. Quite quite like that stuff. I'm interested in it. Outback Truckers. Yeah. Outback Truckers is really good because it's basically truckers in Australia that don't take shit. Right, yeah, that's good. And it's yeah. not just men, though. I've seen a few episodes, obviously, of Outback Truckers, and there are women truck drivers. Lady truckers. Who are basically just as badass as, as, the, uh, as the geezers. Possibly even worse. So, yeah, I know, Outback Truckers. Oh, somebody should make a documentary of this. It would be brilliant or you should just have somebody that videos it on an iphone come on yeah well i'll I'll try and capture some more content for you and all those other people that would really be interested in seeing that (laughs) i love that though i absolutely love that i mean it it does make me wonder because i saw you speak at um the webbies conference back in was it last november in cardiff uh yeah and you were talking about hate mail you talk about a lot of stuff but you were talking about hate mail and you were showing off um obviously examples of the hate mails Mm. and it does make me wonder do do you kind of temper that have you have you had experiences where people have have kind of um no one has received a hate mail as far as i know and been offended by it because you're buying a thing called hate mail and i also even have little terms and conditions on my site where if, if you do purchase one that says i'm not responsible for any suicidal feelings you get or you know depression or uh, offensive feelings um so yeah i think it's okay i think most people get that it's a joke you know it's it's humor yeah i do wonder about people's lack of sense of humor sometimes though i mean it's 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 plainly art or it's plainly humor and mm. hopefully like banksy it's a little bit of both yeah <laughs> let's go back to wilfred for a minute Lovely uh, Wilfred. No, he is. No, he's a, he's a lovely. I'd like to meet Wilfred at some point. Well, you should. Uh, yeah, if you're in London again sometime, maybe we should all go for a drink. No, because he w- lives. He lives in London. I would love that because, like I said earlier on, I've been spending a bit more time down there because we've had a few clients. I've been yeah. doing a project with King's College Hospital Trust. Okay. Who were down? Um, they're in Denmark Hill, but I've been staying in Camberwell and in Brixton. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, has that place changed. Oh, Brixton's trendy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, 25 years ago, Hackney was too rough for yes. you know, the photographic clients that I used to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Shoreditch was about as far east as people near dare go. Yeah. And I was there fairly recently, and oh my God, it's just changed so much. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I was walking around um, sort of Hoxton Square area. Yeah. Around that kind of thing. You, you, know, you, you can't stumble out of a pub and not f- stumble into a pret. It's very pretty, yeah. There's like a pret on every street corner. Yeah. It's just amazing how much those areas have changed. Not Croydon, though. Croydon, I haven't been there for a, 
a long time, but I believe it's still uh, real. <laughs> yeah. We made the mistake of going to Ikea in Croydon on uh, Bank Holiday Monday. Gutted. It was terrible. Mm. You see, to me, and here's a bit of a segue, there's a bit of a connection, it was a bit like Banksy's Dismaland. But a real one. I mean, I don't know what time it opened, but we got there at about kind of half past 11 and the car park was already full. Right, okay. And then, because it was a different, we were taking Alex, Alex has moved into a new flat and he needed some stuff and he had to get it from Ikea. So we didn't know the shortcut through to like the store area that like, you know, where you shortcut through to the marketplace where you buy your coat hangers and your candles. Yeah. So we had to do that thing where you literally troll all the way. Trail? Trudge. 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 Yeah. Trudge. There's like, did you just start trolling people while you're in there? I don't know how you troll people in Ikea. That's a shit purchase. That's going to look shit in your flat. <laughs> You've got shit taste. <laughs> Can't you afford to go somewhere else? You're a master at this. <laughs> you see, do you ever think that, I mean, obviously you could take the trolling, you could take the hate mail off social media, off print, off the page, off social media, and actually do installations? Maybe, I don't know. Would you, would you, I mean, I don't know what the legalities of a street corner insult would be. <laughs> so I'm just shouting it at you. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Have you paid for it? Oh. I need to make a living. I don't know. Have I paid for what? Well, if I'm shouting at you on the street. Oh. Otherwise, I'm just a crazy, a man who's gone mad on the street. Well, I don't know. Where do, how do you feel about sponsorship? Uh, depends who it is. You could be sponsored to stand and shout at people on the street corner. Yeah. If it's the right sponsor. I don't know. You'd have to have security, wouldn't you? Yeah, and a little megaphone. I think so. No, I probably couldn't do that. I don't think I could. I'm not as bad as you think. I I prefer to do it like a kind of troll, I guess, hiding behind a screen or, you know, sending it in the post. I don't think I could do it face to face. It might be a little bit personal. Yeah. Because that's the thing about hate mail. It's not as bad as you think. But he wanted some stuff in bloody Croydon. So we went there and we trudged our way around. And it was exactly like a Banksy installation. And then, of course, what you have to do, have you ever, you, you get the stuff and it's neatly flat packed, but you try to get it on the trolley mm. and then you get the trolley successfully to the checkout. Yeah. And at that point, you have to unload your carefully packaged trolley onto a, usually onto most of it, onto the conveyor belt. And yeah. then because there are people behind you and you, you know, you feel a little bit under pressure, you then have to rapidly put your stuff back on the trolley. Oh, I hate that bit. The pre- yeah, the pressure. The, yeah. Because everybody speed. behind you is going, yeah. oh, hurry up. Oh, I yeah. do wish you'd hurry up. Yeah. So, and then of course you put it on really badly and then you wheel it out to the car park. and It starts was, falling off. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we had. And it was pissing down with rain. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about your Croydon experience. So it was it got worse because then we went to Thornton Heath. What happens there? Well, we used to live there. Oh, yeah, yeah. When Sue and I first moved to London, we had a flat above a dentist's surgery right. in Thornton Heath. Okay. And Alex has never seen it, so we took him to... Was s- it called Thornton Teeth? Oh, God, that's terrible. It wasn't. No. <laughs> oh, that has to be the show title. <laughs> Thornton Teeth. Anyway, so we drove him there. Yeah. To, and it was throwing it down with rain. So you never see a place at its best, do you, when it's pissing down? No, no. 
And I'm sure that even a bright, sunny, you know, sunny day can improve Thornton Heath. But Mm. on this particular occasion, no, it was terrible. So I tweeted what a dump this place was. Yeah. Um, And then about two hours later, I get a tweet back, sort of partially offended tweet from, I think it was the Thornton Heath Community Association. If you're out there, get in touch. Exactly. Well, they did get in touch. Yeah. Basically saying that I was being disparaging about Thornton Heath. Yeah. I uh, love the fact that someone's searching for the word Thornton Heath on Twitter. It's brilliant. They must have had some sort of alert set up. Mm. Anyway, they 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 were offended that I'd... Insulted Thornton Heath, but I wasn't insulting Thornton Heath. Well, I was actually insulting Thornton Heath. Yeah, I told them that I was saying that the flat was a dump, not Thornton Heath was a dump. Yeah, which was a bit of a lie. And how did they react to that? Oh, they they went away. Okay, good. You dealt with it. Job done. Yeah. What a strange conversation this is. But just for the record, you are saying that it is a bit shit. I wouldn't want to live there. No, okay. Again. No, we lived there for a year in this flat and it was so fucking cold and we were penniless at the time. Yeah. Um, so we couldn't afford to put the heating on very often. It was so, so cold that we went away um, to visit Sue's mum for the weekend. We left a bowl of potatoes in water because, you know, if you peel potatoes, they go brown. But if you submerge them in water... They don't go brown. I didn't know that. Ah, you see, that's a way of keeping your cut potatoes nice and unbrown. Yeah. Anyway, we left them on the side in the kitchen, came back. They were frozen solid. There was like a block of ice. Shit. It was really fucking cold in there. Well, at least you didn't need to pay for a freezer. No. Because you just keep all your stuff out. No. If, if you've got any frozen goods. Having said that, we haven't got any heating in our house at the moment. It seems a reoccurring theme in your life. I'm always cold. Right. People are getting a lot of information in this podcast. (laughs) They're going to be sending you mini heaters. People do send me odd stuff, though, which is nice. What's the weirdest thing you've ever been sent? Um, Got a lot of soap. Yeah. Um, Occasional Planet of the Apes comics. What else have I been sent? I got sent a Swiss roll once with uh, fucker written on it in icing. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, they sent it to me in a card, uh, a sort of thick card tube, so it, it remained intact. We should maybe wrap it up. We could wrap it up there, couldn't we? People should follow you, Bingo, on Twitter. You are Mr. Underscore Bingo. You had to have the underscore in there, didn't you? I had to put that in there because somebody already had the fucking you Mr. Bingo. had to put that in there. Is, mm. um, is the underscore your first initial? Yes. It's my middle name. Because people like Brad Frost and Anna Debenham, there is their middle name because they've got, you know, Brad underscore Frost and Anna underscore Debenham. Is it your middle name or your first name? It's whatever you want it to be, Andrew. And people should follow me at Malarkey and to ask questions or suggest some topics. You can message this show on Twitter at unfinishedbz or you can email me he has at unfinished.bz. 